Eduardo Pepe gets the start and the United States beat Honduras 4-1. Welcome to Did Someone Say Soccer? I'm your host Nate and I got the big homie Angelito with me tonight. Say what up. What's up? What's going on? I've been waiting all day to talk some CONCACAF soccer. We're going to talk the United States qualification, and we're, then we're going to get into Mexico's qualification. Angel, I told you not to worry about the trophies that the United States won this summer because what mattered the most is how you do in the World Cup qualification. And you know what? They did not do so hot. And when I say that, they tied El Salvador 0-0, they tied Canada 1-1, and then finally, when Christian Pulisic comes off the second half, their best player, United States plays better, and they win 4-1? Tell me that's crazy. Um, I, I was surprised. I did not expect the United States to come out so weak in those first games. We did have this discussion, not just in our previous podcast, but we've also talked about it in our group chat where, uh, you know, we discuss what's going on with soccer and get ready for the podcast. They, the United States came out playing terrible, like flat. I don't know what happened. How, how do you tie uh, the weaker teams in the CONCACAF? And yesterday when they were playing, I was getting ready to make fun of Jordan because they were losing. And I was going to say, like, wow, they're, they're really going to be at the bottom of the table. Halftime, they only have two points out of three games. And even for the second half, for like about halfway, I think it was like the 60th minute, Honduras was still kind of keeping it, keeping it close. It was already tied, but they were still getting their shots in. And I don't know, Honduras broke down. Uh, Pepe got that goal. The third goal was uh, a little questionable handball and possible foul. So, I mean, it's a little misleading to see that four to one. But that's what we expected from the United States from the beginning. Not not all those ties against the weaker teams. So we'll see what happens when they play Mexico and, um, you know, Panama. So... You know what was interesting was, because so the first game, they tied El Salvador 0-0. They had to go to El Salvador. They had they had Gio Reyna, they had Weston McKinney, and they had Serginho Dest playing. But they did not have Christian Pulisic. So they basically had their A-team minus Pulisic. And they still couldn't get it done. They tied 0-0. They got a point, which is great. I mean, but it's not... What was puzzling to me was that I heard a bunch of, I saw and I heard a bunch of United States fans all happy about a point going into El Salvador. El Salvador is at the bottom of the, of the table. They should have came away with three points. They were playing against USL players and they had a star-studded European roster mixture of the MLS and everything. They had a good team out there, even with Pulisic not out there. So 0-0 going into leaving that game was not good. And then 
Canada comes to the United States. So they have Christian Pulisic, Sergio Dest, Gio is not going to play, and bad boy Weston McKenney gets in trouble. What'd you think of that, Angel? Oh, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what these guys are thinking, knowing that these um, the United States failed to qualify for the World Cup. And this is very important for them to be able to represent in the World Cup, um, you know, and these guys are not taking their COVID protocol seriously. Who knows who they're calling to their hotel rooms. I heard that Weston McKinney called in Kristen Pulisic's sister. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. These guys can, I feel like this is very important right now for these World Cup qualifiers. And they're messing it up for, they're messing up their chances for the United States. And when we saw all this coming into the second game, we, we after the game, we're like two points. That goes on the players because how are you going to break protocol and, you know, be the best player on your team, right? Jordan always talks about how Weston McKinney is the star of the team and you're really going to mess it up, miss, um, ruin the opportunity for the U.S. to get those three points. But, I mean, it's uh, it's happening a lot, right? We also saw what happened in the Argentina-Brazil game where the police came in and they're like, hey, you broke COVID protocols stopping the game, going in and arresting people. So maybe all this time of being restricted is getting to the players where they can't even control their urges and they're trying to call over prostitutes and who knows who they're calling over, right? So... I'm just surprised that Weston McKinney would do that. I feel like he can wait. <laughs> you know, I I saw a bunch of people getting mad at Landon, Don, Landon Donovan for uh, opening his mouth about saying something about Weston McKinney uh, doing that, being selfish and whatnot. I mean, Landon can say whatever he wants. When he was qualifying for the World Cup, they qualified. They didn't miss anything. And it's up to these guys now. I mean... In this Canada, in this game against Canada, they had Captain America Christian Pulisic playing, and you know what? It he couldn't get it done. He couldn't get it done, and he was the interview after the the game. They asked him what went wrong, and you know what? His face and the way he answered it, it was spot on. Like he was. He wanted to say the truth, but he bit his tongue and he just he just said what he needed to say and that was it. And that was that was smart. It was classy. I would have liked to see him say something, call the coach out, call the players out, like this isn't good enough. You know what I'm saying? But Yeah. But then the pressure is on. There's two points leading into the game against Honduras. The United States so the first half, Honduras just opens a can of whoop-ass and just starts taking it to the United States. I mean, you could tell right away the United States was not ready for this game. Honduras was ready. They were pushing it, man. They were ready to go. I was like, oh, my God, what the hell's going on here? I was laughing. And then they got that diving header, and they put it in. I was like, oh, shit. 
was like, I told my wife, she's a United States fan. I was like, close your eyes, babe. You don't want to see this. <laughs> so then I was like, I was, I'm in a great mood. So it's, it's already like 1130. I got to be at work by six. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to bed. I don't care to watch the second half. I'll just watch the highlights when I, when I wake up. So then I wake up, I see my phone and I see a four to one victory for the United States. Uh, the coach made some adjustments at halftime, which was great. And crazy enough, the United States started playing better when Christian Polixa came off. And I don't know what to say about that. I mean, when your best player comes off and the, your team plays better, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I thought Weston McKinney was their best player. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, Kristen Pulisic came off, and you can see the difference. Maybe Captain America that they're referring to is the Captain America before they did all the experimentation. He's just a puny little kid because this is embarrassing. Kristen Pulisic... Um, he he was over there uh, playing for Chelsea. He looked good, right? He he looked decent, but now like when it comes down to him being the leader, where you don't have all these other world class players backing you up, and you're in charge of the team, it looks bad on him when they can't even score. Um, Angel, they won like three said, trophies yeah. this summer. I mean, they're all world class players. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a squirrel finds a nut here and then, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, they beat Mexico twice, but you know, in the end, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you don't even go to the World Cup. Imagine if the United States misses the World Cup again, that would be embarrassing. You, you are like the one of the, I think, what are they, the richest country in the Concacaf, and you can't even qualify. That would be ridiculous. So we saw the rise of Ricardo Pepe. This kid played amazing for his debut as a starter for the United States. Uh, he's in the long line of the strikers for the United States. If you had to pick one striker to start the next round of qualifications for the United States, Angel, who would you pick? Oh, I'll definitely picking Pepe. Uh, I've um, been in contact with uh, some USA fans, and they they hate Sargent. They said they don't know why he's out there. He's overpaid. They like he should not be starting. He doesn't do anything for this team. Maybe it's time to just switch up the formation. We saw what happened after Sargent got you know taken out. They did a lot better in the second half. So he could be the reason why they're sucking. And at this point, why not try something new? We already saw it's effective. They scored four goals in the second half. That's what they need. They need to score. And Sargent isn't getting it done. Do you, do you think the way they started the game out with had an effect the way they played the first half? They had four center backs out there. Four center backs. Yeah, I think it did affect them, but also uh, it's the way they got scored on. If you watch that header, it was just placed right. It wasn't hit well. It bounced and, you know, had some luck in there, but it just threw them off being down. And they weren't expecting it. Like you said, Honduras came out swinging. They were not going to 
fall down and, you know, just play defensively. They wanted to win. Um, being down really changed the way they played. And once they tied it, you can see that it started, you know, shifting back to United States favor when um, they were able to play more their style. Once it's tied, they weren't worried. They, they had the guaranteed one point at the moment. So it, it just made a big difference getting scored on first. I don't think they're used to uh, being down, especially after what they did in the summer. So the Sands cat was out there. And it's the first time I've ever actually watched him play. And every time he touched the ball, he lost it. Or anytime the ball was around him, they went around him quickly. It was like, it was so embarrassing. Like, I'm not even a United States fan, and I was embarrassed for the United States fans for him to be out there. That's how bad it was. He should never put that uniform on again or even be on that bench. Thank you. You can leave now. <laughs> yeah, he was the weakest link. Like you said, um, they found the point to where they can concentrate the Honduras, uh, where they can concentrate their efforts and get past. So if he's not, I mean, he like I said, he was terrible. So I wouldn't even consider him again. This is the time to experiment. And we know what's not working offensively. Now let's switch up the middle defenders and the United States has to do this now while they are, now they have five points. So they're able to, you know, kind of breathe a little bit back. Um, not like how it was. Imagine them being at two points. You can't really, you'd be more uh, forced to do these modifications, but you'd be nervous. Now that they have the five points, they can do the modifications, but not worry so much about the scores. And if it doesn't work, do all the substitutions at halftime. They, they got enough points. I think they're tied what, with uh, Canada, Panama, and um, I, I believe it's another team as well. And those five points should be pretty good, especially with the other teams at the bottom having one point, two points. So this is their time to take advantage and do the modifications that's going to produce the results. You know what was funny to me, Angel, was that we heard all summer long, Oh, we don't need to go to the Olympics. We're going to win trophies here. We won trophies here. We beat Mexico. You know what was funny is that they played CONCACAF teams all summer long. All summer long. They didn't play anybody outside the CONCACAF besides Qatar. And you know what? What did they do this this past qualification? They struggled against CONCACAF teams. Uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you guys had you guys played CONCACAF teams all summer long. Half your squad didn't go to the Olympics, so I don't want to hear that. And there's honestly there's no excuse for how bad the United States played this round in the qualification. I mean, if the United States did not get that three points last night, the coach Burholter should have been fired. Should have been sacked on site. So, enough hate going on. I mean, we we are United States haters, but we'll give props when props is due. And they came back, they won, so now they're fifth, just like you said. Angel, so, Mexico, 
their qualification came. So they started out with the, at an empty Azteca against Jamaica, and they won two to one. They had to have an empty stadium because uh, being fined for all the uh, puto chants that they do. So they won two to one, and then they played. Costa Rica, they had to go to Costa Rica the next game, and then they won 1-0 on an Oberlin uh, penalty. And then they played Panama last night, and they tied 1-1. So they are leading the CONCACAF with seven points right now. And the next person behind them is Canada at five, and then the United States with five. So, Angel, talk to me about Mexico's qualification games. All right. So, when they played Jamaica, uh, it's the first game. Then they were they were doing well. They scored. You know, it looked like they were gonna take advantage, but they make mistakes. And in this game, we saw Jamaica capitalize on the mistakes. We know Mexico is not the fastest team, so it's hard for them to track back and protect themselves. But they ended up getting the win late in the game. We're all super excited because I was scared. Jamaica started defending really well, and I was seeing the three points slip away. I was like, nope, we got to capitalize on this game because all the other teams tied we would have to clear three points on the top of the table if they get this win, which they did. Lucky for them. Second game against Costa Rica was um, it was a little boring. They they ended they did win off a penalty, but the game was not as exciting as I would expect. I um, I get that Kaylor Navas is a spectacular goalkeeper, but they should have scored like on a play, not just on this penalty where uh, Guardado gets kicked as he, you know, tips the ball and he's in the box. Uh, Orbelin scores that penalty. He just tricks Kaler into the wrong direction. Easy goal. He does a little celebration. The game's over. You know, they win, right? But it kind of sucks for Costa Rica having the best player on your team be it be in the goal. They did not have much to show offensively in that game. Um, they played decent defense, but it still kind of uh, gets me a little paranoid how Mexico's not scoring all these goals. They, they've they only scored two, and they haven't got... They didn't really get that close in the other games to score more than two. They didn't have any real clear chances. But in this game against Panama, they were down because of that uh, error from Memo where he blocked the shot. I mean, he blocked the, the center, but he just left the ball there. It doesn't get up enough quickly enough. And Panama scores. We, we say go to halftime. A little worried because Panama starts defending. You know, when the, the CONCACAF teams get that lead on Mexico, they play defensively because they're trying to get the three points. They're, they're not trying to score again. I mean... If there's counters, they're, they're going to try, especially if they're fast like the Jamaicans. But Panama was just, 
they were complacent with the one one zero. They were just trying to get the three points. They weren't uh, going out to try to get that second goal. Um, when Mexico tied it, it, it was luck. That play, I don't know. Uh, it was just like over the uh, ricochet off a player. It looked very similar to that first USA goal where it, uh, no one was. Everyone was just hectic in the box. It's bouncing around ends up in the right player's foot, then they curve it, get lucky, you know, it goes in. And they scored. But in this game, I feel like Mexico had it at the end. They got close, but they didn't score, so they had to split the the draw, the one point. But I feel like Mexico had it, and they could have easily been up nine points. Now they're going to play, you know, some of the other teams like Canada and the U.S., where they struggle with those teams. So those extra two points that they didn't get is going to play a lot into these upcoming games. They can't make mistakes in the back, and they can't give the ball away, which is a big problem that they've been having since we saw uh, in the summertime. They give it away or they get scored on in set pieces. They need to fix all this because um, these are not the, the hardest teams to play against. When you go into the World Cup, you're going to play against superior teams that they um, they don't fall behind. And Mexico plays different when they play against those teams because in that case, they're the underdogs. But they have to get better in during these games and get that flow because it doesn't seem like they're connecting on like when they're going on offense. So that's a bit concerning for me. Rogelio Flunes More, thank you for your time. Thank you for participating, but sit your ass on the bench because you are not scoring. And you know what? Raul Jimenez is in Europe. He is watching. He was not allowed to come play. And when he gets his chance to come play, he is going to light it up. And the death chart should be for Tata, should be Jimenez. Martin, Mori. Mori should not be over Martin. Martin arguably played better than Mori this whole all three games. If it wasn't for Martin the first game, United States, I mean, Mexico would have tied. And then Martin came through big. And then the second game. We didn't talk about why Mexico struggled against Costa Rica. It wasn't so much that it was Kaylor Navas. I think that they got they got shell shocked and they got timid when Alexa Vega Alexis Vega got hurt. Cause you didn't think at first you thought it was like, oh, he's just rolling around, whatever, he's gonna get back up. But then he got stretchered off. And then he had to go to the hospital and he is probably one of the Mexico's best players at the moment and when he left it was I don't know I I, I, I feel like they kind of lost that spark a little bit uh this last game against Panama uh I was telling you I was I was telling you guys I was telling you guys I was just like 
Jonathan Dos Santos is too slow. He cannot be playing in this fast-paced counterattack game. He's too slow with the ball. He cannot run. He's he his ass needs to get off the field. Uh, I was like, Funes Mori needs to leave. Martin needs to come on. And what happens at halftime? Tata heard what I was talking about, and he made the subs. Cordova came on, and he just completely changed the match. He was what he needs to be out there. I'm excited to see him out there. I This kid is magical. He is going to be something else. You know what? This whole summer and this whole qualification, we did not see Chucky Lozano. We did not see Jimenez out there. In the qualification, we did not see Hector Herrera. We did not see Diego Linus. We had some big studs missing. And you know what? We're not having the big studs. We got seven points and we are leading the top of the table. So I we should we should have nine, but I'll take the seven. Talking about big studs missing in the game, they also didn't have me because you know of my sports injuries I wasn't able to compete. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what else happened? Talk to me about uh Chicharito and <laughs> the the drama with him. Yeah, so we were talking about how, you know, Chicharito makes a difference in these games because he always seems to score. He's at the right place at the right time. Even though, like, I feel like he doesn't do much for the team, all he does is tap in, that's fine. And, um, you know, whatever. He's not there right now. So, like, this is a good time to talk about him because we haven't seen him in action. He, he missed the... Uh, MLS versus Liga MX uh, game, right? And we were just discussing how he's being sued by his ex-wife for being a bad, uh, a bad father to their kids. We were just talking about how she wants a hundred thousand dollars a month um, to take care of their of uh, herself and the two kids, and I'm like, wow, that is a lot of money. He's only making what, like eight million this season, and she's taking a hundred thousand each month. It's just, and it's crazy how um, he didn't seem like he was gonna be that kind of person, right? We we expected that from Gio dos Santos because he went crazy, and we know he was involved with all the crazy scandals, uh, partying, party animal, all that. But Chicharito always seemed kind of focused. Out of nowhere, you know, he gets married, and now he's over here getting sued because he doesn't like taking care of his kids. And his wife is also saying that he is endangering their children because he doesn't like having a gate around their pool because it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing to him. So she's over here trying to get paid, and I'm like, wow, he's really going to lose all this money for... um, you know, how long were they even together? For like two years or so? Like, he's done. And now it seems that he's dating somebody else, uh, some other businesswoman. And I'm like, I hope he doesn't have any more kids because he's going to end up getting charged all this child support. And he's towards the end of his career. So that money's going to add up. It's crazy. <laughs> 
Yeah, it is. You know about that, right, Donate? All that dodging the child support? No, I don't. <laughs> Thank God. I married my baby mama. So, <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's it. Well, that was some CONCACAF World Cup qualification talk for you. Uh, this was episode 94. And we will be back. So going forward, we have decided that we are going to start putting our podcasts out Sunday night because Tuesdays aren't working for us and Thursdays aren't working for us either. So the best night for us so far that we have come apart is Sunday so start, guys, start looking for our podcast on Sunday nights um, after the Premier League. And we will be talking lots of soccer. So make sure you guys tell your friends and tell your family. Until next time, see ya.